Welcome to Manager Tools. Today's cast, the management trinity and delegation. Hi everyone, this is Mike and welcome back to Manager Tools. Today's cast explains our rationale for why delegation is the fourth member of our management trinity. Now, why would we have four things in a trinity? Are we nuts? Can't we count? Well, <laughs> believe me, we can't count. We did this for two reasons. One, to make it easier to remember, because you do remember it, right? Two, because you simply cannot grow an organization profitably without delegation. You can grow the profitability of a company without new products, without new distribution, think Tiffany's or coal mines, for example, but not without delegation. And delegation is particularly important if you don't have new products or distribution, and obviously we don't recommend either of those. Effective managers know how to consciously and effectively delegate. Good delegation leads to more growth at less cost. Now, how can we call ourselves professional managers unless we do something that we know leads to profitable growth? It does, and so you should. Here we go. Yeah, and and, and delegation is is a great topic. It's one of the reasons I did so well as an executive. Hmm. You know, we don't. We we talk about the fact that you're you were a great executive, but we don't delve into it a great deal. We told a few stories, but tell us more about why you were a great executive without <laughs> without sounding like me, let's say. <laughs> well, well, um, well, I, just I just like I just said, I mean, delegation was one of them. I saw a lot of my peers early on in my career that got promoted for various reasons, and right. Um, and again, these are these are technical folks, right? Um, but a lot of the the very best of them slowed down tremendously in terms of their growth and responsibilities. Uh, you know, generally through promotions, uh, right? It slowed down tremendously as their careers yeah. went on. I used to kid you about that. You say, you know, man, my my peers aren't doing as well. And I say, please, will you stop calling them peers? <laughs> Call them contemporaries because they started about the same time as you. But if you've been out promoted by them a couple, if you've been promoted a couple more times than them, Mike, they're no longer your peers. <laughs> right. Right. Well, it, it, yeah. I, I guess it's really how how you how you measure it. And yeah, they, they, and back- they, it, yeah, they they get promoted, but but then it would kind of take them longer to get their job mastered after you know they kind of ripped through one job and then suddenly the next one took a lot longer to get good at yeah well well part of it was i evaluated my peers in terms of how i felt about them based upon how smart they were yep and 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 the funny thing was that the, the smartest and there were a lot of people smarter than me the smartest ones slowed down the quickest um i had the very same experience you and i both happen to be fans of intellect we think it's a a game changer. And, um, I saw the same thing and was surprised as well. Yeah. And of course, what we were seeing was the gradual change in managerial life, you know, for, for, for a long time, as you're kind of rising to the ranks, particularly as an individual contributor, it's, it's all about being smart about stuff, right? And right. as you, as you develop and as you grow, particularly in management, 
it becomes being smart about people versus about that stuff you do. So basically, at some point, your <laughs> technical or industrial smarts just run out, and you've got to get smart about people. Yeah, and more and more of what you did was not about stuff, but it was about people, or you had if you were going to get involved in stuff, it was going to be through people. Exactly. And there are always people between me and the stuff of getting stuff done. Then I realized that the people were what management and executive effectiveness were all about. And then it was no longer about the stuff. And then I got it. I just had to make others more effective at working on problems rather than throwing myself at the problems. So what you're saying then is the 600-person organization you led, you didn't write all the code that they produced? Yeah, surprising. That's what I always, that's what I always assumed, you know. I, I, I could have, and, and yeah. I wanted to, of course. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I bet there was a burning desire. And I bet there were times when you thought, you looked at some of the code and thought, well, you know, if I was back in the details, I could do better than this, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I thought that once, and then I, yeah. I had some really bright people working for me. So it, it took me, it didn't take me very long to get out of that. Right, exactly. But 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 I, you know, it was a pivotal point in my career when I figured out that I was going to be effective by getting others to do the work that I was going to leverage those hundreds of people versus trying to do it all myself. And when I figured that out, things got a lot better. Okay. But, but let's be clear. How does it get us to delegation? This is a, this is a Trinity cast. It's about delegation. Um, Walk us through that. Okay. Well, that, that was actually the easy part for me. I looked back at my career and then realized that I was able to do more because I had been asked to do more and more and more all along the way. And I benefited enormously from my bosses giving me more to do. Yeah, isn't it, isn't it funny, giving you the quote, giving me more to do? Um, that's just the way people talk about work, right? I got more to do. I, you call your spouse and you say, I got more to do. That's how, you know, it's probably how your friends talk to you, right? I mean, your friends probably said, um, dude, you're always getting more to do. And, and some of them probably thought it wasn't great. Others of them were envious, but some of them thought that's not great. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, you know, our, our bosses were saying, hey, I delegated that to Mike. He's got more on his plate than anybody else, but I'm going to yeah. give him more and, still. Yeah. And then you got promoted with more on your plate than everybody else. Yep. Exactly. And delegation is one of those core reasons that I did fairly well as an executive. If had I not done that, I would have failed miserably. And I wouldn't have been given more to do, and I wouldn't have gotten promoted. There you go. Good. Okay. Okay. With that, let's lay this cast out a little bit. Okay, our, good. Our model for the Trinity, even though it's the fourth member of the Trinity, <laughs> is pretty simple. It's about what delegation does and then how delegation achieves it. Right. And here in this cast, we reveal why the Trinity needed a fourth member. And I hate to do this because I'm sure 10, 15 years from now, when we're still doing podcasts and people are saying, are they ever going to run out? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I I worry about saying this um, um, because it's kind of long, but but also what what we're about to say is probably one of the 20 most important things we've ever said on Manager Tools. So I'm taking notes. Yeah. In the manager tools view, in our view of the world of management, the manager's primary ability to achieve her responsibilities comes from maximizing the effectiveness of her directs, not her own ability to do work, 
but her ability to maximize the effectiveness of her directs. That's the best way to achieve the responsibilities as a manager. The biggest lever our manager has that she has to achieve is the relationship, to achieve this, is the relationship she creates with those directs. Okay? Okay. That, that, that's the biggest lever. There are many levers, but the biggest lever we know of to achieve what she needs to achieve is the relationship she creates with those directs. Okay? The best way to ensure the day-to-day performance of those directs is to provide feedback to them. And the best analogy we can give you on that is any high-performing system, any athlete, any performer, they get it all the time. They are bathed in feedback, constantly checking how they're doing it, standards against goals, against parameters, and so on. Anybody, any system, any process, any human being that is doing something at a high level is bathed in feedback all the time, except for management and large organizations. (laughs) Right, right, right. Right, right. Okay, and, and hopefully people heard the one-on-one illusion a moment ago. But And the best way for the manager, for her to address the ever-increasing demands that are put on the organization in terms of survival is for her to ask for notable improvements in performance from those directs. Okay, That, without ever really saying it, is a justification for the first three parts of the management trinity. Okay? okay. Now, it would be easy to miss some really key points in what we just shared. First of all, note the bulk of what I just shared is about what the manager does. Okay? And we're we're committed to that. We believe manager behavior is huge. But all that doing, all that work, all that behavior, again, what we teach, the doing is still in the service of her responsibilities. Interestingly, though, this is where we get a flip, a little change. Those responsibilities are entirely about the organization, and they are not about the team members or the directs. The manager is the responsible party of the organization. They're not only, you're not only responsible to the organization, you're responsible for the organization. So after having described the the first three parts of the Trinity in terms of behaviors and in terms of how you get to achieving your responsibilities, all this kind of the just doing that we're talking about begs the question, what about the organization? Is it enough just to do these things, what we call the management Trinity, to be, if you do those things, is that enough to be considered a professional manager? No, it is not. That's exactly, yeah, it's not. Um, These efforts really only address the survival of the organization. Now, look, we're not kidding. We really believe that if every manager started doing these three things, things would get a lot better really, really fast. We believe that the vast majority of organizations are at greater risk, not because of lack of new products or anything else, but because managers aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing. We believe that's the single biggest flaw in why organizations are not achieving as much as they could. And if you don't achieve enough, your survival may become at risk, okay? So what we're talking about really only addresses the survival of the company, the organization, or the firm, or whatever you want to call it. It only allows the company to keep up with those evolutionary and and also revolutionary market forces and economies in which the organization competes. 
Exactly. We believe that for the average manager in a, say, a typical organization, these are the minimum standards of managerial professional. Just minimal. That's that's what we're talking yeah. about here. That just barely gets you there. Right. But today, the modern organizational manager is responsible not just for meeting standards which lead to survival, but he's also responsible for growth. And yeah, again, here we have important the key. stuff. Here's the yeah. key. For the organization to grow, it must not just keep up. It must produce both more value than the rising tide of human evolution would suggest it would, and more value than the other entities the address, that address the needs it addresses in the marketplace. Now look, there are three ways an organization can do that. They can pay less cash, spend less, to produce the same things, getting greater profit from the same products. They can produce more products and services with the same margins and the same number of people, because the number of people is a huge impactor of margins, of course. Or they can create new products and services at equal or greater margins than the existing products and services they're already creating. Right. Yeah, there, there's an economics lesson here that touches on the concept of comparative advantage inside organizations. And it, yeah. Yeah. And that's in the future, I'm sure. But it, it, right. It is. Yeah. We, managerial Economics 101. Um, but for now, we can say this. The easiest way for the most managers to have the most impact on two of those three growth options for the organization, which is where the strength and the responsibility of the managers come from, the easiest way for the most managers to have the most impact on two of those three options while doing only one thing differently is to delegate. Yeah, which is why we say that what delegation does is grow the profit capability of the organization. It makes the organization more productive. Bingo. You hear all these people talking about productivity? I, I, I know. I, didn't you recently share something with me about a, a Fed chairman, not the Fed chairman, but one of the Fed presidents saying something to the effect of, yeah, we're losing manufacturing jobs while also growing productivity so much and we're producing more than we used to with less people. How is that a bad thing? Um, now, look, we, we've cheated a little bit here because we blurred the line between what delegation does and how it achieves it. And I, I don't want people to, to think this is just an economics lesson. Um, the reason we're talking about this is because delegation is the piece of the management trinity, the fourth piece of the management trinity that says all these things that you're doing are in the service of the organization. And if the organization asks us to grow, we must delegate in order to ask everyone to do more. And the best way to do more is simply raise everyone up a level, if you will, um, through the juggling cone, for lack of a better, better analogy right at the moment. If we ask everyone to do their boss's job, suddenly everyone has capability to get more done. Yeah. Okay? So, um, so we blurred the line of do, the doing and the how a little bit, but I think we can talk about the how pretty quickly as well. Good. All right, go for it. Okay. De delegation helps the organization most easily grow its productivity by transferring work from a higher cost center to a lower cost center. And what that is, is from the manager to one of her directs. Okay. If a manager can do something that a direct can do, and the direct is not doing it, 
the manager is impeding the growth of the organization. In the same way that if a manager continues to do her expense reports when her direct could do it, the manager is wasting the money of the company. Yeah, they're just and, in the and way. There are very at that few point. executives at senior levels. Some of them are brilliant enough, and they think they can get away with it, and so on. But they say, "No, no, I don't want to. I don't want to ask him to do that. I don't want to ask her to do that." And I look at him and say, "I don't care whether you want to or not. It's your job, in terms of setting an example and being a growth engine in the organization, to push all work that can be done at the same level of quality down to a, a cheaper level, down to a less expensive production level. It's as simple as that. Why produce something for a million dollars? Let's say you can sell something for two million dollars. If you can produce it." For a million, great. You're going to make, let's say, a million in margin. If you could produce the exact same product with the exact same quality and capabilities and everything else and useful life for half a million, wouldn't you? Yes, of course you would. That's that's why that's why manufacturing has become so much more productive because they've figured out ways to do that. Yeah. So look, if you can transfer work from a higher cost center, Mr. and Ms. Manager, that would be you, to a lower cost center, Mr. and Ms. Manager, that would be your directs. And we're also talking to your bosses, by the way, here as well. Um, um, if you can do that, you're helping the organization grow either directly or grow capability as well. Now, look, we know there's an initial period of change, okay, where the direct doesn't do it as well as you, okay? But it is always, that period of change is almost always, I suppose there are rare exceptions, but 95 plus percent of the time, it's always much shorter and much less painful than most type A managers or high C engineer perfectionist managers want to admit. The output of the team, if we define the team as the manager and his or her directs, the output of the team is unchanged. It went from Mike, who is Mark's boss, to Mark, Mark is now doing something that Mike used to do. And because Mike and Mark are all on the same team, even though Mark's the boss, the output of the team is unchanged, but the cost of what that manager and his directs just did went down because the direct is doing the work. Right. Which leads us to the whole second part here, which is because the organization also gains the time and potential productivity that the manager used to spend doing the delegated tasks. Now the manager is free to do more productive work. Yes, assuming, assuming, and I, it's a good assumption, I think, but there are people who, who, who don't always prove it to be true, assuming the manager uses that time wisely, then delegation can lead to paying less to produce the same output, therefore being more profitable, and also producing more with the same number of people, again, more profit. And as we say, in, I think in geometry and so on, QED. Right. So those managers who think that, well, if my people do all my work, then what would I possibly do? Well, what you're going to do is you're going to do some of your boss's work and your boss is going to do some, some, some of her boss's work. And so up, down, up the chain. Yeah. And even if your boss doesn't do more of her boss's work, if you just do more of your boss's work, even if that's where it stops, even if you're going to say, Mark, I don't want to do this because I don't believe the cascade keeps rolling up. Because the joke is always stuff rolls down in organizations. And yeah, you'd be right in general. Even if your boss doesn't grow you in such a way and it stops at your boss, if you are able to have your folks do more of what it is you do and you're able to promote them more easily, 
you're going to get better people because the best people will want to work for managers who get them promoted. And you're going to look better to, if not to your boss, to senior people in the organization when people find that the person who's most ready to get promoted are your people. This works on so many different levels. Now, we don't want to sell the concept of delegation. We want to show how it fits into our view of the world. Um, it, 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 so economically, this is a complete no-brainer. Yeah. So, so why don't so why don't more managers do it? <laughs> I, I think it's because managers aren't economists. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In, in other words, they're afraid, fear. Yeah. That and arrogance. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but that is for another cast. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Thanks, my friend. My pleasure, sir. We'll see you later. Hey, 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 before you go, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We um we didn't leave folks with something actionable. We have to have, we we have to have something actionable here. So what do you got? You have anything in the, at the top of your head that we can oh, tell people to go do? I really can't think of anything that I might suggest people do to make themselves more effective. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. okay. Anything, related, anything related I, to I delegation? I actually have two. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, and they both relate to hierarchy in terms of looking down the organization and looking up the organization. Here's the first, and it relates to you and your boss. What our action our recommendation is this. When you are interacting with your boss, look for the things that your boss doesn't like to do. And the way you know that, by the way, is he or she says they don't like doing it or, <laughs> or they get in a bad mood when they're doing it. Yeah. Okay. And the second time, everybody always wants to do it the first time the boss says, I don't like this. And you say, I'll do it for you. And the boss goes, no, yeah, I really can't. I really can't delegate that. Um, the second time you are aware of something that your boss doesn't like after they've done it the first time and you thought, okay, here's something he or she doesn't like. I'm going to think carefully about how I might be able to pitch it the second time I hear it. So in other words, this, this gets you constantly thinking about your boss's work. Um, the second time you hear it, you're going to pitch your boss, not formally pitch, but you're going to recommend or ask that you take over that responsibility. Simple as that. So you don't ask the boss the first time she says, I don't like this or slash I'm not any good at this. You wait until the second time. And between the first and second time you hear it, you're thinking, how would I position this with him or her? What is, how, how would I think of her in terms of work? Where does she want to go? What does she want to do? What does she think I'm good at? And so on. How can I pitch my strengths to the thing that she doesn't or he doesn't like? That's the first thing. Good. Okay? I like it. And, and again, the mistake that people make is they jump on the first one. Um, and then they get told no, and they never ask again. It's that, and the reason is because they're jumping rather than thinking. Okay. Good. Okay. The second piece, the second piece is suppose your directs behaved that way. If you knew your directs were going to behave that way, let's presuppose that they're going to, what might you do? You might actually say to some folks, I really don't like this part of my job. And if you were really smart, you'd say, and if anybody's interested in it, I'd be happy to delegate it to you. Now, I've had many managers say to me, well, Dr. Mark, that won't work because you'll have a bunch of people getting rid of bad stuff. Well, look, somebody who doesn't like stuff is probably not that great at it. Um, and I really don't care whether uh, some people uh, are, are getting rid of stuff they don't like or not. If I have two managers, a director and a manager, and the director makes 20% more than the manager, and the director is doing something the manager could do, why do I want the director doing it? 
because he doesn't like it? This makes no sense to me. No sense. None. So tell your people. I've even had one manager go, I'm going to make it even easier than that. I'm going to break up my job into four parts, and I'm going to give each one of them a big part of each of the four. Or I'm going to give one of my, each of my four directs a part of my job. It may not be, it may not be everything, but you could, you could atomize your job. Virtually every manager who's listening right now could atomize their job and figure out 25% of their job to give away easily without any trouble at all. And if you have an admin, you could start there, but that's not even the, that, that's low-hanging fruit. My recommendation is, our recommendation for action is look up at your boss, wait for that second time, and by the same token, when you're looking down, if you will, pardon the expression, on your directs, ask yourself, what is it you would give away? And give it away. You're going to go through a short period of, of pain when you have to coach them a little bit and give them some feedback, hold their hand for four weeks or six weeks, and then you will suddenly have free time. And I have one more little suggestion for you. It's actually, this is actually a future cast, I think. It's either written or it's, I can't remember which. Um, when you give away part of your job, if you've done the right thing and you've been scheduling your time around your key priorities, you should see that block of time freed up on your calendar. And if you've done one, it makes the other one so much more fun because now you get time back. If you were like 90% of the manager know and you leave your time totally unscheduled, you won't feel like you got the time back. But if you're smart and you've scheduled your time, this will feel delegation will work along with time management and schedule or priority management. Oh, I love that. Those are my two recommendations. Yeah, exactly. Actionable, actionable recommendations. Very cool. All right. Now I will let you go. Thank you, sir. Thanks again. <laughs> See you later. That's it, everyone. Hope you enjoyed. Next week, we get back to our more typical manager tools. In Toby Keith's words, a little less theory and a lot more action. Now, despite our general discomfort with theory, we received enough requests for our theory behind the management trinity that we decided to take this diversion over the past couple of weeks. And a diversion it was. But, although we enjoyed doing it, the party's over. Next week, we get back to what you should be doing, not how you should be thinking. And of course, the doing is a lot harder. So, rest now, my friends. Next week, it's time to get back to work. We'll see you then. So long.